Hey, Damien. Hi, Cyril. How are you? I'm very good. I'm so happy to talk to you today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a very nice start. Appreciate it. Listen, I've been listening to your podcast and your voice is like in my head, like crazy. <laughs> with your Irish accent. I love it. In a good way. I hope. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> Hi, I'm Cyril, your host, and welcome to my podcast that I called I Really Want to Do This. In this podcast, I interview guests from all walks of life and try to understand the various ways that different types of people with different backgrounds and experiences succeed in achieving their goals in their very own ways. Think of the past 10 years in your own life. Have you had a personal goal, an objective, maybe you call it a dream, of doing this one thing? You really want to do that one thing, whatever it may be, but for some reason, you never succeeded in making it actually happen. Well, by showcasing successful achievers and asking them how they did it, I sincerely hope that this podcast will give you some ideas and maybe answers on where to start, how to proceed, in order to actually do that one thing that you really want to do. Hi everyone, this is Cyril and thanks again for being here and listening to the podcast, I Really Want to Do This. Uh, today we have Damien. Uh, Damien is with us and uh, as always, I'm going to let him introduce himself. We're so lucky to have him. Uh, Damien, thanks for being here and uh, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. I uh, appreciate the invite and uh, yeah, I'm excited to uh, chat with you. I've been following your adventures uh, for a few years, so uh, it's nice to uh, get this opportunity to have a conversation. Oh, listen, the pleasure is mine. Uh, I can hear a little accent. Uh, can you tell us where were you born and, and, and where are you now? <laughs> so I'm from um, the west of Ireland, uh, the wild west coast of Ireland, uh, the city, an Irish city called Galway. Um, I was born and bred there. Most of my family are still there, but I'm on the other side of the world. I'm on the uh, east coast of Australia, on the Gold mm. Coast. Uh, my partner is from here. So, um, yeah, I moved out here recently, only about just before Christmas, December last year, and uh, just kind of settling in um, to uh, a very different way of life, or a very, very different um existence through conditions uh, than the west of ireland gets that's for sure <laughs> imagine but you know uh, i think it's always enriching to live in the country of your partner uh because it then suddenly you can you can really see how you know she was raised and and the, her filters and and by learning about her culture in the way she was raised it opens a lot of windows doesn't it Yeah, it's, it's really interesting because um, her, um, so she's South African originally and her family uh, emigrated here, uh, like 22 of them basically uh, were supplanted by like her grandfather and all his children, there was five of them and then all her, all their children. So there's 22 of them in total and they moved out here like 20 odd years ago and, um, and all settled and they've kind of, Um, dispersed a little bit around the East Coast from Brisbane to down the coast, you know. So uh, it's been very interesting kind of getting to know them and um, I suppose understanding in a way like, you know, why they did that and how they settled in. And, you know, some of them couldn't even speak English when they arrived here first, you know, uh, as kids. So because um, they're from an Afrikaners background in South Africa. Wow. So, um, yeah. And then, you know, how they made their life here. And to see... I, I never really realized this about Australia, but to see how um, many kind of 
you know, um, cultures or how many kind of nationalities have done similar. Like it's kind of like a mini United States. I'm starting to kind of see a little bit. Um, uh, and I, I would have never had that perception from living in Ireland and, and what I thought about Australia. You know? So it's been great. It's been great so far. Mm, great. So between the moment you were born in Ireland to now, there's probably been a lot of, of travel involved. And have you had the chance to maybe live overseas in other countries? And and uh, tell us about oh. that experience. Oh, there's been there's been a lot of travel. Um, yeah. So I was very lucky to uh, come out of school um, into a profession um, that I was very passionate about. I, so I basically became a professional rugby player straight up when I was 18. Mm. And, um, and that brought me on a kind of 16-year journey uh, through uh, the leagues in, in Europe. So I lived in uh, Ireland, obviously, and I lived in the UK for a number of years, and I lived in France for seven, nearly seven years. So that was within my kind of rugby career. And I absolutely loved living in France. Like I just took to it so well. Um, you guys know how to do life very well over there. <laughs> and I was based in, um, well, I spent a, a tiny amount of time in Paris, but mostly I was based in the countryside. And that just suits me, you know, the space and nature and the freedom of it. And it's very kind of, there's lovely corners of France that are very quiet, you know, and peaceful. And uh, that's what I fell in love with straight away. When I moved to a city called, or a town called Brive la Gaillard, uh, I lived outside that about 25 minutes in a little hamlet uh, for like three years. And I had this kind of old farmhouse that was built in the 1800s. And I, it was just the most, like, I used to love getting back there from training and spending a day on the patio or you could eat three meals a day outside for like seven or eight months of the year. And, just taking care of the garden and walking the dog and I just loved that simple life, that peaceful life. So that was really um, important and formative part of my kind of life, uh, adult life. And then I've traveled loads. Like I'm a huge, um, I'm very passionate about travel. I love it. I can't get enough. I, I really want to get to every country in the world. I'm a long way from it at the moment. I'm only in like about, I'm one of those people who count so many countries he's been in and I've been in like 65. So um, yeah, I'm only about a third of the way there, but like I, I'm in no rush with it. Like it's not something I want to just take off. I want to, uh, the world is just so fascinating to me and um, I love roaming it slowly and kind of just opening my, like keeping my eyes open and staying attentive to what I'm seeing and asking myself the quest, right questions as they go and um yeah so when i go to a country i want to spend time there i don't just want to go and like um take it off the list you know i want to try and get some even though it's only a fleeting moment in a lifetime that i'm there i want to get some kind of connection with what life is like there and what like kind of people uh go through on a daily basis just to to live you know uh and um and uh yeah um i'm yeah long may that continue that journey Oh, I love it. I, I meet you 100% on the, the benefits of traveling and, and how it just, it's just so rich. I, I've lived in, in many countries in, in, Italy, in Italy, in Argentina, in Brazil, and not in Ireland yet. But uh, <laughs> I think that it's just anything just becomes interesting right away. Uh, breakfast is, if you live in India, it's going to be so different. If you live in Togo, if you live... In Australia, I mean, it's anything just becomes instantly so so interesting and, and exciting. Mm -hmm. So, and that's a way to yeah. bring adventure to your daily lives. But I also like to travel travel also because I think it creates characters. It, it creates really people of the world, and and I'm really uh, attached to that feeling that we are all the same and we're just born in one country, and then we travel that that rock we call Earth along the way and we're all brothers and sisters um, tell me a bit about your personality traits and i'm really interested in knowing um, so obviously there you have your innate personalities that you have as you're born like every child is going to be different even though they live in the same family 
But I'm really interested in how, if you could make a difference between the ones that were you're born with and the one that you've built, uh, especially through your career, you've you've had to show some really strong character uh, for mm-hmm. being a professional athlete. And uh, what do you think are part from your childhood, from your country of origin, from the countries you've visited? Um, it's a long question, <laughs> but let's see if you yeah. can tell us a bit. So what kind of comes up for me when you ask that question? Like, so when I think about, um, you know, characteristics or uh, traits that I have always had, like since as long as I've known, I would say um, curiosity is definitely something I was, I don't know if I was born with it, but definitely formed like as a, you know, a kid, as a toddler, as a kid, as a young adult, I don't know, I don't know. Um, that is, and then that is, is prevalent right now as it ever was, you know, it's as strong as it ever was. My, uh, the more I learn, the more fascinated I am to learn and the more I want to learn. Like, so um, that's why I think travel is so rich is the word you used. It's so, uh, I'm so driven to travel and explore because I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm curious um, in my kind of essence and I'm curious about my internal world as well. And that's kind of why I push my body so or my mind so much, you know, to learn and explore um, who I am on a really deep level. So that's definitely one from uh, childhood. And I would say patience as well. I've always been a very patient person. Um, and I, I don't think that's, that's not a built value because I'm very aware of my... Um, uh the values or the character traits or behaviors that I've kind of ingrained through my more my adult life you know just because of my um the way I've lived my life and the experience I've had and the exposure I've had and and those are things that when I'm um at my best as a person I'm very centered on them you know and I'm acting out of those and those would be things like authenticity honesty um discipline uh work ethic um compassion um so i like the list is pretty long um but uh, as in terms of like that i try and embody you know uh, on a daily basis not saying that i'm do you know i'm not saying that i always do but that's the that's the intention and that's the goal is to to live out of these places because that's when i feel um most kind of contentment with myself rewarding mm-hmm. yeah And yeah, how do you feel you if know. you don't behave that way? <laughs> I need to reset. Like I, I have very kind of strong um, signals uh, around that when I'm not at my best, you know, and I re- need to kind of reset on some level. Uh, and the best thing I can do, believe it or not, is to go and train, you know, go to the gym and train hard because that's an opportunity for me again to embody those values you know like in integrity is another big one for me like so i always think they're very trainable like by holding a disciplined like um position while you're under stress you know while your mind wants out if you can practice that well then you're going to be better at it in in outside of, you know outside of your training in your normal day-to-day life and and those things um those things can be trained so that's what i i need to do and that's the signal i get when uh, i'm not kind of I'm not in a good place, like, or and I'm, that's the wrong way to describe it, but I'm not um, acting out of those, I'm not centered on those values. Mm. I'm going to, I really love this uh, subject. I'm going to throw you a curveball. <laughs> how, how do you think you were taught those? And if you have to teach them, how would you teach them? Like, would you teach discipline uh, in a lo- loving but tough way? Like, how are, how are you going to, do that with your own kids for example if you were to teach to anybody is it tough love um how do you teach a value um, discipline about so yeah so you have to kind of think about my answer is going to be filtered through where i've come from right you know what i've lived and, and rugby is a tough world like you know especially professional sports that i was uh 16 years so there was an institutionalization around that um But I always found uh, that the best coaches were tough, but very fair. You know, they were just in how they went about it. They weren't asking you anything you couldn't do. They were just pushing you to um, a new level that they knew you could get to. 
So um, I would say a lot of what I do, because I've done a little bit of rugby coaching, is is kind of very similar to that. You know, I, I'm I'm not um, Everton. I uh, well, when I coached um, Everton, I demanded of the players. I knew they were capable of. You know, and I told them before, like I often warned them before. Um, uh, the season, particularly when we'd start, you know, that you, I said, you'll probably hate me at times because nobody likes particularly been pushed out of their comfort zone, um, yeah. you know, and demanded the right things. But eventually you'll see the merit in it, you know, it might be now, it might be the end of the season. It could be five years from now, but you'll see it. Um, and you'll see that it was done for the right reasons and that you were capable of it. So I would, yeah, that that's my kind of way yeah. of doing things because that's, that's how I've learned yeah. it and it's served me very well. Fairness, I love it. And and some cultures have more of it than others. Eh? Like some countries where I guess conditions are rough and tough. And like I'm, I'm thinking of a friend who lives in in northern Canada, where in the winter there's there's no heat, there's no internet, there's no phone. There's they are tough. Yeah. You're, you just have to be tough, you know. And mm. uh, it um. It breeds a stoicism within you, doesn't it? Uh, like I, I see that a bit on from where I'm from, and then yeah, comparing it to like it's not northern Canada now, but it's still a, it's still tough winters, you know. Um, you're getting all that weather systems off the Atlantic and uh, hard rain and wind and cold, and you know, it just it, it breeds a stoicism within you that like uh, you can control what only what you can control and. Um, Um, yeah, in comparison to places that are like a bit more comfortable, uh, it, there's yeah. quite a difference in the personalities of people. But, but don't you think that in the end, these this is so rewarding once you kind of suffer, but you pass over it because of your own values of, and and in some ways those countries or places where you, you don't feel it, in people are searching for them, they're like they feel more accomplished, mm. and I think. It, Maybe I'm wrong, but it's it's why there are so many of those races, a Spartan race where you have to do and um, so many obstacles. And you can't, you know, in, in the indigenous way where you pass from the childhood to the adulthood, mm -hmm. you had to go through that uh, a tough right, passive, where you find yeah. yourself. And it's through, through toughness that you find yourself, don't doesn't it? Yeah. Mm. Uh, I mean, I couldn't agree more it's basically how I live my life you know or how I've learned to live my life because it's so rewarding you know and it's so fulfilling and it's 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 the only way you're going to um maximize your um potential or your your time here you know by by through those challenges you know um and if and persevering through them and learning about yourself and what comes up and building you know your self-confidence and your self-belief and your self ultimately your self-worth so yeah it's it's kind of why i do why i do what i do you know in in the like coming back to the exploration piece exploring myself through hardship and through um through moments of suffering and doubt and chaos and, and persevering through them and finding out about myself and do you know what like if you do that for two percent of your life the other 98 of your life is going to be so beneficial it's going to be it's just yeah. going to make that other part so much easier Yes. Oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, I was trying, I, I did an attempt to cross the ocean on a kayak and a friend of mine was saying, look, you're 44 years old and that crossing is going to take you 70 days. So a little bit, let's say two months. Yeah, those two months might be really, really tough. But overall, on your whole life of 80, 90 years, hopefully, it's two months is nothing. But mm. those two months are going to define the way you're going to live and see your life for the next 40 years so he says those mm, two months exactly. is probably the best investment you can do right now and when you know people call you crazy what are you you're 45 you don't even own a house and you want to cross the ocean buying this kayak <laughs> i yeah. see the value in it a bit uh yeah <laughs> yeah well we're fed all like and i mean i see uh, i see the value in it as well but like we're conditioned through uh, so many forms of um Well, all sorts, right? Media and uh, the arts and everything to look at it, you know, look at life slightly differently. But uh, 
Uh, I'm glad to see that there's a bit of a growing kind of um, consciousness around this way of life, you know, because there's people pushing back against that kind of easy craving for comfort, you know, that that we have, we all have it, like, you know, because it's um, a safety mechanism within our evolution, right? But like the comfort a thousand years ago was very different to what comfort is now, like, so um, there, there is a, a, whatever, a movement or there is a, a uh, groups of people out there now kind of um, pushing this narrative around, you know, look for hard, like, you know, because it's going to serve you much better and make you actually happier, believe it or not. Right. Yeah. And and I think I might be wrong, but our generation is, is not a soft, softy, but we're, we're born so lucky in our, in our way of life. Uh, we don't really have hardship, right? You, you look at our parents and our grandparents, mm. they did the second world war, they did the first world war. Mm. They, they had such a hard life that they had to rise. And, and those values that you embody, that you mentioned, I see that in my grandparents and, and my parents uh, through them. And the third generation now is, is like, we have to find a way. And people are searching for a way to, to, yeah. to see what is it that I have to believe in? What is it that makes me uh, you know, the good person that I think I should be, not just because people teach me like through religions, through uh, education, through, but because I want to feel it. And the only way to feel it is to put myself through um, um, some kind of challenge that I accept, that I, I look mm. forward to and I, and I thrive above it. And then you create those. Values. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's move on to the main part of the, the podcast. I really feel like I, I know you already, uh, much better with these questions. I've asked you to kind of think about one moment, or not one moment, but a feeling that you had in your guts where you, I really want to do this. I think it's it. Everybody feels it, no matter what they want to do, whether it is running a marathon or uh, living overseas and learning how to cook, whatever. Like I really want to do this. And part of the podcast is kind of ask questions of: Do you have have you had that feeling before? Uh, and if so, let's talk about it first on the what, and then let's try to step back and try to see if there's, uh, there's a pattern on it, uh, according to your own personality and on how you've reproduced it and how it was working for you. So what is, a, what is your what? Uh, I really want to do it in a moment. Um, so I have a, a few, I think. Well, while I was playing rugby, um, I learned through the pressures of that life how to really push my body right uh, and the rewards that gave me and to, uh, mentally particularly so um i was very ambitious as a rugby player um, i think i'm just ambitious in life um but like as a rugby player i wanted to be the best rugby player i could be and i wanted to maximize any kind of uh, potential I had so I used to um, research a lot outside of the rugby bubble you know to what other people were doing within their lives to push themselves and get the most out of themselves so what did that look like it meant um, reading reading a lot of kind of books books were my kind of main go-to is kind of one of the probably one of the mediums I trust most, you know, because I know somebody's put like a lot of time and effort and mm -hmm. uh, intention into it. So um, I read a book about, um, I think called The Mountain de Sable, and I read a book about um, a um, called The Crossing by James Cracknell and Ben Fogel, where they rode across the Atlantic in 2005. And, and those two things were very much um, moments where I was like, I really want to do both of those. It was actually stronger than that. It was probably, I am going to do both of those things. Um, <laughs> when, um, yeah, you know, I was just called to them. Like it was, I, even now I'm not too sure I can really explain why, but back then uh, I had no idea. There was just a... a internal um there was just that feeling you know that intuition is that you have to do those um but rugby was so important to me it was very much after rugby that's when you're going to do those things uh and and sure enough after a little bit of time traveling um post my career when i retired 
um, I set uh, about preparing for the Marathon de Sableland and subsequently the Atlantic Row. Amazing. Let's see. So you, you got inspired through books and is that your yeah. imagination? Did you try to imagine what it would feel if you were in the shoes of the people you were reading? Like, how is it to feel this? And you, you had a, uh, that idea of, I need to feel this or, um, you know, what is it uh, exactly? Did you picture yourself doing it? And yeah, the final line? I, of I think the, on the sub? I, I, well, I think the feeling was I had like, I have to have, this is me. These things are like something I have to attempt. I have to try. I have to do. I have to experience within my life. And I will do whatever is necessary to make that happen. You know, it was very much a, like an incredible, like um, clarity on, yes, that that's you. Like that is something you need. You have to do. You know, at the time, I couldn't tell you particularly why. Like now, I can talk about maybe a bit more detail, and like it's it's kind of what we talked of touched on already. Already, it's that the rewards you get from pushing yourself through really hard experiences, like so, you know, the um, the fulfillment and contentment that brings the. Um, so yeah, I, I I just was very much. It was almost like. Um, like this the square fitted in the square hole you know it was like that perfect fit I don't know it just was like calling me or it was just uh, instantly confirmed like you know I've found something that oh, yeah that's people are doing that that is that's a bit of me I'm gonna I'm gonna attempt that because I, I'm I can see like the experience would be extraordinary I see it'd be something I, I, I want to achieve in my life but also I can see what it will bring me. I know the power of that, like attempting something unknown, something fearful, something scary, um, something particularly challenging physically and mentally and just getting through it and what that's going to bring, the growth that that's going to bring, the understanding, the improvement of that relationship with myself, you know, by understanding myself a bit more, the, 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 that comes through those really hard, dark moments that you're going to get in, in uh, expeditions like that. Once you're decided to do those, um, maybe the marathon this time was before the Atlantic crossing. For those two, if you look at those yeah. two, did you decide on a date and was pretty standard like you go on the website and what is the marathon they have when does it start when how do i get registered and how do i prepare did you have a roadmap to get ready uh for one one of each uh, this event oh yeah no absolutely like so that's where this is one of my kind of where i'm a little bit lucky in terms of preparing for adventures because i've been preparing for uh, like physical endeavors my whole adult life in rugby okay they were on a much more frequent basis like every week you're preparing for a match but um so i used a lot of the knowledge i would have learned through that life to prepare for um and i still do for my adventures so I, I remember actually both um, uh, both the Mountain de Sable, I remember exactly how I prepared in terms of like, I counted back um, from the Mountain de Sable. There was a seven months uh, training plan. Um, and from the Ocean Row, I had 588 days so about 19 months uh preparation time from when i committed to both races so as you said they're both races so i um to the fixed date so i signed up and i counted back and then i tried to form uh, my training plan uh, now it's a 19 month training plan is very long you don't do that all in one go you kind of you break it into a, a broad kind of um stages but then you, like i don't worry about stage two and stage three until i've got stage one done i learn a lot about from the training in stage one and then i kind of um tweak it going into stage two you know i put a huge amount of emphasis and uh respect towards the the training plan and i'm very like for me it's the the preparation is the success or the success is in the preparation you know so 
you know, do that, do the hard work, do the graft, um, and prepare yourself or over prepare yourself for the, um, for the expedition. And uh, yeah, so I'm lucky enough, like I said, to have that kind of knowledge background. And I've always been really interested in, um, the body and through my kind of passions and through my intention to be a rugby player, I was always kind of trying to learn about, you know, uh, how to train it properly, like how to strength and conditioning and how to condition it and all the kind of parameters that works well for different types of um, athletic endeavors, be it strength, be it power, be it endurance, be it uh, power endurance, whatever, you know. So I have a good knowledge base around that. So I program all my own training programs myself and, uh, yeah, put a lot of detail into them. How about trying to come up with a list of things that you think you know and things you don't know? How do you, do you call people around and say, hey, you've done that marathon app, tell me about it. My method is usually, I'm a beginner's mind, I'm gonna call 20 people. Hey, you've done ultra marathon races. What is your advice on, on running 100K in, for the joints, for the, the food, whatever? What is your method? Are you more trying to learn on your own or you, you're externalized your, your search for, for knowledge? Um, I, I love to learn through experience and I, and I, I've learned a lot through experience and I think that's a really valuable, um, there's, there's a, a valuable way of, um, uh, organizing your thoughts and or organizing your mind and the questions you ask yourself that way of learning. It's, I think we, I find that I can become a little bit lazy if I go to too many people and ask too many questions. You know, it's like I'm looking, it's uh, for myself, I find my mind works better by it kind of visualizing what may happen and then um, asking the right questions around that. Like, okay, if that happens, how do I deal with it? Now, that being said, if it's something like ocean rowing where I have no background, I have to talk to some people because that would just be madness. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, I have to talk to, to some experts. So it's finding that person. Uh, I think that's really important. You know, you just don't go to the first person. You have to find somebody who is trustworthy and who has the right intentions for you, not for themselves, you know, which, you know, um, I think there's a little bit of um, social skills involved there. Uh, and when you find that person, then it's just to weigh on them heavily. And then, like you said, you know, it's a little bit like Denzel Washington in uh, Philadelphia, you know, uh, talk to me like I'm a five-year-old here, like explain this to me in the most basic terms so I can kind of get a grasp of it. And then I can build my knowledge base from there. Because I find if people come in, you know, like a bit um, technical with the language, I'm like lost already and I have to kind of try and break it down. So, so that's how I try and learn things where I have absolutely no idea and I need to know it. Obviously, I have no experience, no idea. I don't even understand the language a little bit. And I'm like, okay, hang on here now. Let's, 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 you know, explain this to me like I'm six years old, please, because <laughs> that's what I need right now, you know. I love it. I wish I had listened to this uh, earlier because I, you know, as I told you, I ask 20 people what they think. And let's say ocean rowing, I would say, okay, here's the length of my boat. I'm trying to find out what is the best sea anchor. And then one guy is going to tell me you need 200 feet of line. The other one says 150, it should be fine. And the size should be that and that. Mm. And in the end, you have so much information that you don't know how to decide. And I like what you just said mm. about well, I'll try it myself and I'll see, you know, uh, what I like. Okay. Just do 200, mm. kilo, throw it in the water and see if the sea anchor is the right size. If it's too big, it just solves so many mm -hmm. issues. I had blocks of a, a problem of making a decision because I had so much information. Mm. I like experiencing yeah. your own and say, I like this. I like this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I find that learning is, embeds itself much deeper than being told something, you know, because you've experienced it, right? You've lived it. It's, it's uh, on some level, it's, core, it's um, registered in your nervous system. So like when, if the shit hits the fan somewhere along the way, 
you know, you're not like searching back. What did that guy say again? Like, you know, yes. and, and then you're trying to decipher that information. You have it, you've lived it, you understand it and you've made some, maybe, you know, you've made mistakes, but like you've, um, you've remedied those mistakes through your own actions. You know, you found a way. And, and I think that serves better. Like, you know, um, uh, if and when stuff goes wrong. Yeah, definitely. Still in the phasing, the phase of the, the planning or getting ready. Uh, did, did you adapt your strategy? Did you just go with the plan? And did you have any issues like a roadblock? Say, okay, I got to change this. And how do you approach problem solving? Um, so I, I probably have to get a bit specific in terms of uh, experiences. Like there's always roadblocks. I find there's always like these things, uh, you know, as well as I do, these things are really hard to put together. And there's so many different bits and pieces, you know, you've got the physical uh, and mental side of it, you know, preparing that. Then you've got the technical side, whatever you need to learn about uh, whatever you're doing, be it ocean rowing, um, ocean kayaking. And then you've got um, the probably the hardest part of it all, raising the money to make it happen, you know, Um The, the sponsorship side of things and and the um, reams of rejection that that involves. And, and that's something I've, you know, if there's a strength of mine in this, it's the physical and mental preparation. If there's a weakness, it's the um, that side of it, you know, the fundraising side of it. I just, I, I have... I've had many roadblocks and a lot of them have kind of come from within side myself, you know, through that. I just assume that... I, I'm so passionate about this sort of stuff. I'm going to, everybody's kind of, everybody's going to see that or feel that passion and they're just wanna, going to want to sponsor me. And that, that's not <laughs> true. <laughs> They don't. <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, and so that rejection, I still struggle with it a little bit. You know, there's a fear involved there of like asking and then being rejected uh, and the emotional kind of toll that takes. And uh Yeah, I'm still, you know, I'm still um, learning and working through that and I'm becoming a little bit desensitized to it, but still sometimes it hurts, you know, if you're, I found a few times like been kind of led down the garden path with sponsors, oh, we're very interested, very interested and you have a few meetings and, you know, there's numbers been talked and all of a sudden they go quiet and they disappear and they don't get involved and you're like absolutely demoralized and reject from the, from the kind of uh, rejection, you know. Uh, and that's tough, like, and there's loads of that involved that people don't see, right? You yes. know, they see you rowing, you know, your kayak um, leaving San Francisco, but they don't see the 18 months of preparation of phone calls of, you know, pursuing people left, right and center to make that happen. And and all the um, issues that you would have uh, had to overcome to get started, like, you know, even some of your own internal issues. So, yeah, um, I think the 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 the, um, the lesson to be learned there is whatever you're doing, whatever you pursue, uh, make sure it's purposeful and important enough to you and meaningful to you because that's the driver that gets you past all those roadblocks, you know, and all that resistance that's going to come up inside yourself as well. And when that comes up, question it, you know, question your resistance is a nice um expression i came across over the last couple of years mm. um and you know try and figure out the where that's coming from and why it's why it's there because there's there's great learnings in that as well mm. i love it yeah it's it's funny that everybody's so different that your roadblocks will be more emotional and i remember in one of your podcasts where you said my boat could capsize all all day all night i don't care that's what i I'm good, you know, that would be my roadblock. Like what? <laughs> and and actually I, yeah. I really love what you say, you know, know what what the reasons why you're doing what you're doing, and then nobody can stop you. It's it's really really good. Mm. Oh, tell me about how you felt by reaching your goal, those goals. Um, did you feel like you envisioned you would feel? And was it uh, as uh, better or as good as what you imagined, or was it more, more intimate? And and how did that impact 
your following actions after? I, I think uh, expectations are dangerous. And I did have expectations around, you know, I, when something's so important to you, I, I think it's hard not to have expectations. Um, but for once, they actually came true. Like, so when I remember starting, the, like I find starting these things are as great a reward as finishing them. So I remember starting the, uh, the first stage of the Mountain de Sable. So I put in seven months hard work. I'd come back from a, so I'd, I'd retired through injury. I'd had a knee injury and I hadn't done any training for six months. And then I started my Mountain de Sable preparation um so there was there was a little bit of a unknown and doubt around that but it, you know the knee came good and uh, i was able to do it and then on the start line they play um i remember standing in the you know the the, the group of runners thousand runners or whatever and they play a uh, uh, highway to hell uh, by acdc and i just remember like well and well and up like you know in terms of like you made it you know as you made it here to the start when it, when you had all you had like um you had doubts that you would or whatever and you, and you worked hard to get here and now you know you've been thinking about this i think it was 2002 when i first discovered the mountain the sabla and now it was 2016 so like 14 years you've been thinking about this on and off you know so that was really like emotional there was a couple of tears and then i remember on the fifth day of the mds um that's the kind of final stage there's six days but the last day is a charity stage uh, on the fifth day is the real the finish of the real race and i remember when i finally saw the the finish uh, line of the fifth day it was Still like whatever a few kilometers away but at that that moment as well was uh, one i was kind of coming up a dune and i could see it in the in the distance and that was a very uh, powerful moment even though there was still a day left you know but i felt that was the that was the biggest kind of um feeling of uh accomplishment and joy and uh relief to a certain extent yes that yeah. it was uh finished and then the row, uh, the Atlantic row was very similar. Huge amount of anticipation, huge amount of adrenaline. Again, like very long training period to get to it. 12 years in my thoughts on and off. So my parents were there to see me off. So it was quite emotional, but also I was very nervous because, you know, it's into the unknown as you know like you don't know what the fuck's on i this is my first experience of ocean rowing and you don't know you hear the stories what it's like in the atlantic you hear you know out there but you don't know right so it's massive um it's scary and then uh yeah i started rowing and then there's uh the way the, the, the talisker with atlantic challenge works is that there's a guy with a foghorn at the start he blows it and that like that oh. moment just yeah and the next next 20 minutes 30 minutes like once i got away from a kind of bit of a danger area where you know your your mind goes someplace else when i let myself kind of feel what i was feeling um yeah there was again plenty of tears and like shouting i remember shouting like you know Mm -hmm. roaring at the top of my voice like if i've made this happen finally after all these years and uh yeah that was really nice feeling um but the the finish was a little bit different uh when i finished that row so it took me 63 days and uh, i had all sorts of problems i got a lot complete steering system failure and you know physical problems with stores and all that so it was it was a particularly tough challenge and and I, I i wanted it to be and i you know i'm glad it was it gave me a lot but when i got to the end uh i i didn't feel like celebrating like i, I passed through the gates um which is the official finish line of the race like yeah. two boys and um I don't know, this this sounds like, even when I say it, even though I've lived it, and it, it still sounds strange to me that, you know, I just felt like, you know, been left alone. I just wanted to float in the boat and uh, lie back and not worry about steering it, uh, mm. not worry about where it's going, uh, not worry about rowing it. I just wanted to, like, switch off mm. and stop and, you know, just float uh, and, you know, nobody come near me and try and, 
yeah, just like let my brain rest finally. Um, but there's so many people around you, like a little flotilla, like when you left, you know, you have loads of people around you. And, um, uh, you know, they're all like people are coming up to the boat and giving you like flares and beer. Yeah. Um, so I, I actually kind of put on a bit of an act around that, like, and I did the celebration piece. And once I actually started that, mm-hmm. it, the emotion inside me came out, you know, eventually, like, so um, I needed to kind of act it out at the start uh true kind of social pressures and then eventually it all came out and i started like i i could really feel like i fucking done this you know again relief and then yeah i had to row in a little bit more and then i saw my parents my brother and my sister and some friends at the finish line and then yeah that was a very special moment do you know what was it was the most special was like seeing how much it meant to them you know and seeing their reaction to seeing me um you know i i can't remember i can't maybe i've seen my dad cry twice in my life and he was in tears you know uh stuff like that and we had a very special kind of week together then in antigua um there was a lot of love and a lot of connection and, and if nothing else came from it like that was that was it that was beautiful you know yeah and it's actually a great uh thought to say that people live through you through your adventures And maybe those, this is enough for them. They're not meant to do these kind of adventures and it's fine, you know? And in fact, I really want to do this could be supporting somebody who's doing it. I I remember, so I've got two boys and I I felt that feeling about enjoying as much as them the moment they, they were on the bicycle with no small wheels. You're really having pleasure seeing other people happy, and and that's it's amazing uh, feeling. And uh, the way that some adventurers yeah. are able to take along thousands of people, I think, is just fantastic. It's it's part of the uh, the trip um, value is to inspire other people, and uh, uh, you're doing that definitely. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And you don't know, right? You don't know who you're touching in some way. Like as long, I think as long as you're being authentic when you're doing it and how you're portraying it, you know, been, you know, honest about what you're going through and, and vulnerable is words, you know, you've used a couple of times uh, with me, you know, if you've been like, if you're going through a hard time, well then like, you know, share that because you're touching people and, and they're taking something from that, you know, they're taking a connection from that and maybe, you know, taking a step towards something that they've had a little bit of doubt or fear or knowing at the back of their mind that they want to do through your actions. Like, so that's why I'm, I'm really driven to, you know, I feel it as a duty to share as I go, like, you know, and what I'm going through, honestly, and authentically, because it can really help some people. Second uh, curveball, you know that they say in America, they throw a curveball. It's it's the baseball where it's hard to hit. Yeah. But, um, a goal where you really want to do it and ends with success is is fantastic. Tell what what happens. How do you feel about one where the the end is not the one you had envisioned? Well, it's it's very fresh in my mind because it only happened about. A month ago, <laughs> I was on Mount Everest attempting the summit, and uh, um, I had all sorts of complications when we were there, like uh, mainly due to COVID. So I got COVID while I was there, um, got evacuated, quarantined in Kathmandu, came back to the mountain. Um, I still had some remnants from it, but eventually got over it and kind of started to feel strong again and started to build back a bit of confidence and belief. And just before uh, me and, and my team were meant to push for the summit, like literally the night before we were going on our summit attempt, the whole expedition got shut down because COVID had got into camp two further up the mountain and uh, all the Sherpa basically had, had contracted it. So, um, yeah, they had no choice but to close it all down. So, yeah, after three years of sacrifice and work and, uh, yeah, just energy gone into it, um, it was all 
uh, I suppose, yeah, it was all stopped or the whole thing kind of became a, a, a failure from that. So um, I, because, because of the challenges I um, uh, went through on the mountain, when I was told that uh, I felt actually quite numb about it you know i there was a tad tad bit of relief because um uh it's a scary thing to do you know and it's a scary thing to think about going through that uh the kugu icefall um so there was a bit of relief uh on one small level uh when i first heard that it's not happening and then it was just i was numb because I, i'd had a very um, emotionally challenging expedition because I'd left my partner, Roselle, and our um, basically five-day-old daughter, Elodie, um, here in um, the Gold Coast, or in Brisbane, and gone to Everest, you know. Um, and that was, like, even, even though I didn't think that was going to be very difficult, uh, it was. It was really, really challenging, you know. And uh, I had felt very alone at times on the mountain, uh, very scared at times, because, like, it's a scary thing to do. There's all sorts of stories going around about like there was some incidents, you know, where there's a couple of people died and another Sherpa, Sherpa died, um, you know, and you are not in an emotionally strong place. So that stuff plays on you much deeper. Um, and uh, yeah, so when the whole thing was called off, I was like, I didn't feel much, if anything, I was just numb. And then over the next kind of week or two weeks, as I tried to make my way home, um, uh, because Nepal was closed down due to COVID, like it was very difficult to get out of there. Uh, so it took quite a while. Uh, I started to see um, frustration in my actions. You know, I, I'm, I think I'm somebody who's mm-hmm. self-aware to a, to a good level. And, um, you know, I'm always kind of witnessing myself and I have good signals when I'm not in a good place. Like, and I could see that, you know, I was getting short with people. Uh, I, was, I wasn't patient, which is a, a, like we talked about earlier as a trade of mine. I wasn't as patient as I'd normally be. And, uh, and that was, uh, and I started to question that, like, where's this coming from? And the obvious answer was, this is, this is an emotion that you've like suppressed because of what's happened and and now it's coming out it's been projected through your actions on other people you know mm-hmm. um, and I suppose the last clear uh, emotion that I experienced was just disappointment like disappointment and not really have, haven't gotten a chance to experience what I went there to experience and, and try to achieve you know so yeah it was a bit of a as they say uh, the expression damp squib you know just something that was took a lot of time and effort and energy to make happen and then was very excited about it just turned into kind of mm-hmm. you know nothing really at the end and it was it was all a bit disappointing yeah there, i've lived through exactly the same thing you know a month ago uh, when i had to abort my attempt to cross yeah. and after three years of preparation so in one way you try to rationalize it well you know the, the sea was in such a way like you could say there was covid and you know, the, the mountain was such a way and it's a smart way to listen to it when it talks to you. Uh, but in another way, your emotions are, are another, it's not, not the same <laughs> place in the brain. Yeah. And, and it comes back. It takes time to come out. It, it takes one week, two weeks, three weeks. And I even still think like one day I'll be disappointed about all the followers and people that were excited and had to, you know, make them disappointed. And mm-hmm. then next afternoon we'll be well, you know, you don't have to feel that way, but you still feel it. <laughs> and, and these come out. Do. Yeah. It's so complex. And especially, yeah. uh, I would say, as ultra-endurance athletes, we, we try to sometimes put emotions away from what has to be done. Uh, and uh, this is so interesting. So interesting. Thank you so much mm. for sharing, sharing this. As we go into the conclusion, uh, what is your, um, I really want to do this uh, kind of now. Is it just, okay, I'm resting or uh, do you have another in mind that is coming? Uh, <laughs> I won't tell you your wife. surprised to hear or not. <laughs> <laughs> there's always one. Um, yeah. There's always one, right? I mean, the list is, yeah, pretty extensive. Um, 
So I've been working on another project for uh, next summer for basically a couple of years now as well. Uh, called uh, it's called Project Empower, but it's another ocean row with a good friend of mine, uh, kind of guy I've been friendly with for 25 years. We met as young guys playing rugby together. And we're going to row from New York to our hometown, Galway, on the west coast of Ireland. Wow, so across the, the North Atlantic. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So I, I got the idea through um, the, when I did the, um, the Southern Atlantic row, the solo row, there was an, an Antiguan team who did it. And uh, now they were many, many, many days ahead of me. But uh, even when I got into Antigua, like they were still being celebrated, you know, and I saw some of the images of them coming in and like oh. the whole country was behind them. Yes. And I just thought, well, wow, that's so cool to like, um, you know, the way yeah. they would have been kind of feted. Yeah. And I thought, oh, wait, uh, you can row into, maybe is there a possibility you can row into Galway? And then the seed was uh, sown. And then I, yeah, I started kind of working on it, like I said, about two years ago. And so it's, it looks like it's happening now. Uh, next summer, leaving from Manhattan around May. And the boat's been built. And yeah, training has kind of started, like very early days. But um, yeah, so and my friend actually has a very interesting story in that, like, uh, about two years ago, he had an accident at his work that left him paralyzed. Mm-hmm. And he um, he basically, like, he collapsed in his yard, and got brought into the, the hospital in Galway, got flown to Dublin, had emergency surgery, uh, came out of the surgery. The surgeon said he'd probably have about 5% chance to ever walk again. Mm-hmm. He didn't feel anything below his belly button for six weeks. And then one day he got a little twinge in his big toe on his right foot. And since that, like, he just hasn't looked back. He's regained full uh, feeling, his uh, capacities, his mobility. Um, and he's walked across Ireland for charity. So, um, and I, I walked a little bit of that with him. And I just thought, like, you know, I could see his determination and, you know, his stoicism. And, you know, he's, you know, he was able to, Push through some really hard moments in that, and I just thought like he'd be. He asked me then, and I thought he'd be a great guy to to do something with. So yeah, just the two of us in the boat this time. Oh my god, it's gonna be fantastic! I'll be watching for sure. That reminds yeah. me of uh, Peter Bray. He's a British guy who he crossed exactly the same. He left uh, actually not uh, New York. He, he left uh, Newfoundland uh, in the east coast of Canada. And he arrived in Ireland on a solo kayak. And I spoke mm-hmm. to him asking about the solo kayak expedition. But yeah, um, yeah it's probably the same journey. Well, I have the same thing. Maybe I'll do one day, go back and finish in France, in uh, Brittany. We, I used to go in my childhood uh, in vacation. Yeah. Finishing in the little harbor of that little tiny place where nobody goes, it's just, it would be fantastic, fantastic. So <laughs> one thing to do. Yeah. Oh, it'd be amazing. Yeah. Okay, yeah, well, yeah, for sure. I mean, the world is for us to take, right? If you had a conclusion to mm. our listeners, the one takeaway they would have to remember, the one thing you want them to remember, what, what do you say to them? Um, explore. I, I just think... There's so much to be learned by exploring ourselves through exploring the world, you know, so using the world, the planet, it's fascinating different countries and cultures and languages and sights and sounds and smells and mountains and rivers and oceans and polar ice caps. It's just, and, you know, um, just like roam and explore and keep your eyes open and pay attention and be alert as you go internally to what you're feeling um, and explore that world as well. Explore your own internal worlds and ask, start learning to ask yourself the right questions. You know, uh, I think the quality of the questions we ask ourselves dictates a lot of how we live our lives and how we see the world. So um, yeah, I think that would be it. Wow, I love it. <laughs> okay, the very last thing that I do on the podcast is the reveal of the song. Did you uh, have time to listen to a song? I asked my guest because I feel like the energy is 
contagious. And once there's always this one song, the feel good song, the energy song that one has. Yeah. And did you listen to your song like this? And which one was it? I did. Don't tell me it was a Dubliner. I did. It was... <laughs> no, no. I'm, uh, I love a bit of um, Irish, traditional Irish folk music, but uh, in this case, it wasn't. It was um, actually, it's quite pertinent. I hadn't thought about this uh, with my last answer, but it's called Free Bird. So Free Bird by Lynn Lord Skynard. Oh, Lynn Skynard, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Free Bird, yeah. Um, and I just love that, uh, especially the first kind of three or four minutes of that song. It's, it's quite a long song, but yeah. Uh, You know, it just puts me in a very kind of happy, mellow, um, but like kind of there's a, a little bit of a buzz underneath it, you know, a little bit of anticipation to it. And sure enough, the song cranks up then into a bit of rock at the end. But uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's something I really enjoy. And it's nearly one of all, always one of my go to um, mm. uh, go to listens. Okay, thank you so much for sharing the song but also all the gold nuggets that you just gave us this is this was great thank you so much damien i love it we'll have you're to welcome. do another one you're welcome <laughs> yeah absolutely uh listen thanks i mean really appreciate the invite and uh love the um concept i think it's great concept of the of the podcast and uh, i'm sure people will over time get loads from all your guests thank you damien Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. And remember, life is an adventure. Live it. <laughs>